Hey everybody, it's Sam with Paranormal Review. And I guess I want to review um something that happened back in 2017. Um yes, I am going to get on and actually sit down and review the Ghost Adventures Screaming Room episode that took place about the Halloween special Annabelle. Um, but not today. Today, I want to talk about this back and forth that seems to be going on between Tony Sparrow and Zach Bagans. And is it real? Um, because you guys know how I started this podcast as being a brand new person, really, to the paranormal. That yes, I had watched paranormal TV, but no, I hadn't went on any investigations. I hadn't really made up my mind that I was kind of a skeptic, that I was brought up religiously, and that I wasn't sure what to believe. And so that's how I've always went about this podcast. So that's kind of how I want to go about this argument. I put this up, you know, on Paranormal Review Twitter, Paranormal Review Facebook. After I saw the back and forth that was going on between Zach and Tony again. This happened again. Um, and I realized that there almost seems to be three different groups. There seems to be this overwhelming, almost attack group of Zach Bagan fans that will believe anything and everything Zach says or does, no matter what. Um, I swear he could come out and say the sky will turn green in four weeks and they will start a countdown and argue with anyone that it will be turning green in four weeks because the great Zach Biggins said so. Do I think Zach encourages this? Um, not sure. I think he enjoys it. Don't get me wrong. But as far as wanting or encouraging this overwhelming attack, almost syndrome, that some of his fans have, I, I'm not sure that Zach does, you know, really encourage that. He did not come out in his his Facebook statement and said, everybody go to Tony Spare's page and attack them, you know, or, or write this wrong or anything like that. So, no, I don't, I don't know that, that Zach encourages it. But somehow, his fans do try to immediately see the bad in anyone that says anything bad about Zach. And I'm not sure 
why? Maybe that's why they call fans fanatics. But I also think there is this second group. I'm not 100% sure, but I would almost say they skew a little older. Uh, it seems like when I see them on the internet, whether it be Facebook, it be Twitter, it Reddit, you know, Quora, um, just internet face, uh, or excuse me, internet groups out there, paranormal sites or anything like that. I just get the feeling from a lot of the things they break up, uh, bring up and a lot of the ways that they write that they skew a little older. And the second group is the Warren family fanatics. And they seem to believe anything and everything that Ed and Lorraine Warren now cannot be questioned. I think they believe that before Lorraine died, but I now know that since she has passed away, they believe that anybody questioning what they said in the past is wrong. And they will always bring up that they're both dead and cannot speak for themselves. And I agree to that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that something they said in um, 1975 was not wrong. People say things wrong. People are human. Um, people get things wrong. Um, also, people seem, and and maybe I am reading this wrong, but they seem to believe that Ed and Lorraine Warren were altruistic, that they did not take money for their investigations. They they only took money uh, for travel or donations. I agree with that because that is what I have always heard. And I know that there are a lot of paranormal groups that continue that practice. I think that's an excellent practice. I am glad, you know, uh, Grant Wilson and Jason Halls and the TAPS community started doing that and have continued doing that. The new group that Jason Halls and uh, Steve has started do that. I, I, I am totally in agreement with that. But I think to say that the Warrens were never into the paranormal for money, uh, I don't know if that is true or not. Um, I know a lot of people have presented facts and they have said numerous times that Ed did not want to use the paranormal for money well okay let's kind of break that down a little bit um i think when you look at that 
back in the 1960s, 70s, you didn't have to. And what I mean by that is there were a lot of jobs available. There were, you know, a lot of available time. And you could actually make a living at a lot of good, solid jobs. Now let's come up into the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Can you? Um, I don't know. I mean, there are still, granted, a lot of great paying jobs out there. But I also know there are a lot of jobs that used to pay a lot better if you compare them cost of living wise in today's money. I'll, teaching is one of those. Um, you know, there are a lot of states where teaching has dropped in with cost of living and with today's converting it into today's money. They've lost five $8,000 on the year where cost of a living raises have not kept up with inflation. So I think a lot of times people use the paranormal to pursue their dreams or to supplement their income. Now that I mean, supplement their income. People have jobs and they will buy a piece of land that is haunted or has a haunted amusement park on it or has a haunted house on it. Has um, They have bought an abandoned asylum. They have bought an uh, a, uh, abandoned hospital. They have other jobs, but they also run this, whether you want to uh, call it a location or an attraction, on the side for extra money. Do they expect to become millionaires when you talk to them? No. Um, I mean, you look at Corey Heinzen that bought the Conjuring house. It's um, new name is, you know, the house on um, or the farm on Round Top Hill. He has stated from the word go that he and his family bought this and are opening it up to investigations, especially on the weekends, to allow investigators to have a place to investigate and collect evidence for, you know, a, a, a price that is somewhat appropriate. He doesn't charge $1,000 a night or $5,000 a night. And when I talk about people using the paranormal to make their dreams come true, well, I think when I, I think of that, I can't help but think of Nick Roth and how 
he talks about how being seven, eight years old, thinking about the paranormal, how he had a paranormal experience climbing up in the tree, how he had a map and put on the map that he wanted to go to Area 51. How he has thought about this since he was a little kid. I think that's what I mean by making your dreams come true. Nick went to UNLV to be close to Area 51 and to learn filmmaking. And he wanted to explore the field of paranormal research. He talks about as he was going to bed at night listening to Art Bell and the stories that his uncle was te would tell him and how he wanted to further research, further the field, further, you know, what exactly is going on. And if you listen to him now, he has a lot of different theories out there. And he's always trying to come up with some experiment that will give him some kind of research so that he can figure something out. Being on TV, I think, was just a benefit of that. Because you think about it. Right now, we haven't seen Nick Groff on TV recently. I mean, seriously, sit down and think about it. But has that stopped him? Well, no. He's doing Nick Groff tour. He's doing Nick Groff investigates. He's running Viddy Space. He's with the G crew. He's still taking care of his family. But he doesn't have to be on TV to do it. And he's still going out and investigating. And it's not having to be streamed. It's not having to be recorded. It's not having to be on TV. He's still doing the research. So I think money, there are people that are in it for the money. And the fame and the entertainment and getting their name out there. I don't, I don't want to say there's not. But I think there legitimately are people that are not. So let me get back to talking about this second group. I think as we came forward in time, especially in the 2000s, I think Lorraine Warren sat down and realized a side fact, which is I'm getting old. Social Security is obviously not going to take care of me. I can't live on $500 a month or or whatever it was. So I do think in order to take care of her family, to take care of herself, do I think that Lorraine Warren then allowed some of her case files and Ed's case files to be turned into movies 
to be turned into books, to be turned into magazine articles? Did she start giving interviews? Um, did she allow Tony Sparrow then to start pursuing other avenues to generate money? Yes. I, I honestly think that, that she did. Now, Warren fans out there, I know you're probably going to overwhelm me with emails or on my, my Twitter, which is, you know, Paranormal Review, or you're going to overwhelm me on the Facebook page. And that's fine. That I mean, do what you need to do. But I do believe that she did want to make money on it. It is hers and Ed's work. Why can't she make money on it? Some of the cases that they released that um, haven't been turned into screenplays yet, or they were turned into screenplays she didn't approve them, or whatever, um, happened in the 60s. It's been 60 years. Why can't she open that case file up? Why can't she make money off of that? So do do I fault her for that? No. But it seems that a lot of Warren fans want to pretend that that didn't happen. They want to pretend that Ed and Lorraine Warren never took any money for the work they did. Well, yeah, they did. Because they released case files, that was work that they did. Now, granted, it might have been 30 years after the fact, or 20 years after the fact, or whatever. But, yes, they turned over part of the story they knew of the Conjuring House, of Annabelle, of other things, and let screen writers write them. They approved them. And they didn't do it for zero money. So I want that clear. They did take payment for work they did. Did they take it from the families that they were helping? No. They took it from the moviegoers that saw and experienced the work. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking. Now, Sam, 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 um, they changed those. Yeah, yeah, they did. They changed their case files. Amityville Horror, you know, a, a lot of different parts of that case were changed. But that was only after Lorraine sold it. Then I think there's a third group. Because I told you there's three groups. There's the Zach Bagans fans, there's the Warren fans, and then there's this third group. And I think I'm part of this third group. I think some of you may be part of this third group. It's the third group that kind of sits on the sidelines and goes, what if all of this is BS? Let me say that again. I think there's a third group that says, what if all of this is BS? 
Think about it. Zach does what he does to make money. Do I think Zach Bagans would do a paranormal investigation without getting paid for it, without it being on TV, without it being streamed, without it being taped, without it um, being streamed or recorded in some way, and that he was not going to ever get paid for it? I'm going to be real honest with you. No. Because when you look back through articles when Ghost Adventures first started, um, Zach will talk about how he wants to be a great filmmaker, he wants to be a documentarian, that he um, really wants to create screenplays, possibly have TV shows. He is all about film. Zach went to film school in, in Michigan. Zach did not, let me rephrase that. I was almost going to say Zach did not become interested in the paranormal. That's not true. I think Zach had a healthy um, knowledge of the paranormal happening around him. Um, and I don't think that you can live in Las Vegas for any period of time without knowing about Area 51 or anything like that. But when you look back on interviews when Ghost Adventures started, you will see Zach did not have his own team. Zach, as far as I can find, never went on a paranormal investigation. It was only when Zach interviewed, he was a wedding DJ. In Las Vegas, California, or excuse me, in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he happened to meet Nick Groff, who was interviewing wedding DJs for his future wedding. That he and Zach kind of clicked. And Zach told him, because Nick, remember, is all about the paranormal. Zach tells him, you know. Well, I'm into the paranormal, too. Was that the truth, or was that to get a wedding job? I, I don't know. I don't care. All I know is Nick said, Hey, you want to go on some paranormal investigations with me and my friend Aaron? And, of course, Zach was like, Oh, uh, yeah. And Zach then met Aaron. Now, they got evidence, eventually, not in their first couple investigations, but because Nick was working part-time for uh, the Travel Channel, Aaron was working as a cameraman, sometimes for NASCAR, they eventually got into the game. So... Is Zot doing this for paranormal research purposes? Um, no. I don't believe that for one second. Um, 
Do I believe that Tony Spareff is BS? Yes, probably. Do I believe that Ed and Lorraine Warren is full of BS? Eh, I don't know. That's the one I'm a little bit on the fence about. And I'm going to tell you why. I don't know enough about it. I'm not like all of you Warren fans that are listening to me. I haven't read all the books. I haven't read all the case files. Haven't visited the museum. Haven't seen all the films. So I'm going to be real honest with you. Are they full of it? I have no idea. Did they fake any of it? Have no idea. Is there some evidence that they might have? Mm, from some things that I've read, from podcasts that I've listened to, from lectures I've listened to, from people that I've listened to, maybe. Maybe they did fake some stuff, exaggerate some stuff. Do I think that they also got some things? Yeah, probably. But, you know, a lot has came out. I, th I believe it was in the 90s. Christopher Lutz, uh, one of the children, the Lutz children of Amityville Horror, came out and said none of that happened. My dad sat down with a lawyer and concocted all of that. And when Ed and Lorraine uh, came into the picture, we let them in on it. And we all wanted to do books, movies, and collect some money. He swears by that. He has, you know, said said that on numerous uh, interviews that people sent me. So is Amityville Horror real? I don't know. Christopher Lutz says no. But I know what all you Warren fans are going to say. Ed and Lorraine aren't here to defend themselves. That's fine. I'm not saying one way or another, whether it's real or it's fake. Is the Conjuring House real? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. I know that a lot of people say the movie is completely different than Andrea Perron's books. I know that I have heard numerous podcasts, interviews with Andrea Perron and her dad, Roger Perron. Where they said the Warrens are full of garbage. Uh, Roger Perron is uh, very adamant about throwing Ed Warren out of his house. So, I don't know. Is Annabelle fake? I don't know. I know that she's a doll. I know that a lot of people believe that demons can be cast into dolls. I know a lot of people believe that demons can inhabit dolls. I don't know that I'm necessarily one of them. Why? I can hear all of you now. Why? Well... Because remember, I was brought up religiously. I don't remember that anywhere in the Bible, and 
and you guys feel free to write me and tell me that I'm wrong, please. You can uh, the email for this podcast is paranormalreviewpod. It's singular at gmail.com. Or hit me up on Facebook or Twitter. But I don't remember anywhere in the Bible saying demons can can uh, run around here on Earth and say, "Huh, that sweet little raggedy Ann doll looks like a place where I want to live for the next forty years." Because I would have thought, and this is just me, I would have thought if. A demon was living in the Annabelle doll that is getting dirtier and older and more decrepit as time goes by. Living in a glass case that at any given time, that demon would jump somewhere else. Because unless it just wants to hang out and sit there, which I don't believe... Anywhere in the Bible, it says that demons like to just hang out. Um, I think this demon would have already left. But that's just me. So, do I think that the back and forth between Tony Sparrow, who is the son-in-law of Ed and Lorraine Warren, he married their daughter Judy. He was trained by them and worked with them for 30 years. He was left in charge of their museum, and and uh, Judy was left all of their artifacts and belongings and all of that, and Tony helps run that because Judy really doesn't get into the, the paranormal thing from what I understand. Do I think this is all a big publicity play? I'm not going to say definitely yes, but I'm leaning towards yes. Because I'm telling you, I think that Zach is a showman. I love his show. I think it's great entertainment. But do I think that Zach is a paranormal researcher that wants to publish his findings? Do I think that he wants to give lectures to conferences all around the world about his findings? Do I think he wants to um, progress the field of paranormal? Uh, no. Um, as for Tony... Do I think that he likes publicity? Yes. Yes, I do. Do I think that he likes money? Yes. Yes, I do. Do I think that he wants to further the paranormal field? Yeah, I think he does. I think he wouldn't have worked with Ed and Lorraine for 30 years without wanting that. But do I think that he saw in 2017 a way to get Lorraine and himself and Judy money by having Annabelle 
on the highest rated paranormal show on TV at that time? Yes. Yes, I do. But what many of you have forgotten in this whole big argument, Tony did not take Annabelle to Las Vegas, Nevada by himself. He didn't own her. Lorraine was still alive. Lorraine had to consent to that. Lorraine had to say, yes, Tony, you can fly to Las Vegas with my doll. Yes, she may be on TV. Yes, you may give, let Zach do whatever Zach does. She had to put her signature on that contract. I'm going to make an assumption that Zach has a copy of that. I'm going to make an assumption that somewhere in Lorraine's property, there's a copy of that contract. I'm going to be willing to bet somewhere in that contract it said, Zach Bagans, do not touch that doll. Zach did. We didn't see anything happen to Zach. Did we? Now, Warren fans and Zach fans need to unite. Say what, Sam? What do you mean? Well, guys, if you believe that Zach Biggins is a paranormal phenomenon, he is a researcher, he is one of the greatest paranormal people on earth. And if you believe the Warrens and everything that they have said about Annabelle is completely true that this doll is demonly possessed, then you people need to get on the same side. And you need to say, Lorraine said after many years of Zach begging, not begging, begging her to allow him to come to her home, to allow him to come to the museum, or to just get Annabelle on the show, she finally said yes. Zach was not supposed to touch that doll. It was put in the contract, and he did. And you all need to agree on that. But you know what else you all need to agree to? Is that in 2017, Zach's life, after touching that doll, began to fall apart. But I don't see, when I look on the internet, any of you saying that. I see you pointing fingers at each other. I see the Warren fans saying it's Zach's fault. He shouldn't have touched that doll. And I see the Zach Bagans fans saying, well, Zach said Tony is a money-hungry person that grabbed the check and took 
the doll and ran off and and he didn't want to help me and no 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 you guys need to get on the same side you need to say and Zach I'm talking to you dude you guys need to get on and say Zach bought the demon house in 2014 after he touched Annabelle he started having problems the demon house was not a big documentary that Zach wanted it to be it didn't blow up the way he wanted it to be the way everybody thought it would be it didn't get released in movie theaters like he thought it would be. Had to go to video on demand. Had to go to the travel channel to make money. So, you know, obviously Annabelle cursed him there. Zach had an incident. He doesn't fly anymore. That's that's well known. Zach travels in a bus now. He he had uh, an incident on a plane where uh, it is my understanding that he was overcome with fear. He believed that uh, a possession almost took place, that if he would have been completely um, possessed, that he would have brought down a plane, killing everyone. And he does not want to take that chance anymore, and so therefore he does not fly. He is nervous and scared of flying because he doesn't want to hurt people. And that happened after Annabelle touched him. So he takes a bus to all of the locations. So that's why people, when you're listening to this in Europe and you're begging Zach on Twitter, please come to Ireland, please come to Germany, please come to Australia. Um, he doesn't answer you. He's not coming because that would require him to fly. Well, people say, but, but he can take a boat. Guys, when you, when you guys tweet that in him or you say that on Facebook or whatever, um, do you really think that you're the first one that's thought of that, that says that to him? Zach's not getting on a boat. Why not? Well, Zach doesn't want to be away from the museum that long. Because everyone at the museum will tell you that the museum acts up when Zach leaves for more than a week or two. He was gone for three, three and a half weeks when they had to film the last Halloween episode that they filmed actually a year ago in August. This August. Um, last year's Halloween episode was, was filmed in August um, at the Conjuring House, the farm on Round, Round Top Hill. Um, and he had to go by bus. They did a lot of locations in between. That's the reason why you got the miniseries on serial killers to start off the brand new season last year. Is because if you look at it, you can see the route that they took. 
and you can see, you know, how it was filmed. And on the way back and everything. From what I understand, from what people who work in this industry have said, Zach did not enjoy that. Did he enjoy the investigation chest? Did he enjoy the traveling? No. Um, he wanted to be back at the museum, and supposedly the museum wanted him back. So do I think that Zach is getting on some boat to Australia and going to spend a couple months getting there by boat, investigating different locations, and then coming back on boat? Um, no. That would be a big, big, big no. That's the reason why the East Coast can forget Zach Biggins doing a, a whole season over here on the East Coast. It's not happening, people. He's going to stay out West where he can make two or three day-long trips and then get back to the museum on his bus. So there's more stuff that the Warren fans can use. You can say Demon House was a failure at the box office because he touched Annabelle. You can say um, the Demon House um, dirt and, uh, and steps there in the museum and Lady Snake coming into his life and doing all kinds of crap at the, the museum... All that started because of Annabelle. His uh, no flying on the plane happened because of Annabelle. His love life falling apart. All that's from Annabelle. Zach fans, you want people to believe that Zach is always possessed and and that he's a real paranormal person and he's um. He is an empath. I will say it eventually. I can't talk today. Um, do you want people to believe that? Then you need to get on board with this thing. Y'all all need to say that this is all because of Annabelle. Because let me tell you, the third group I talked about, the ones that believe that a dog can be possessed, the ones that believe that Tony is money hungry, but so is Zach, and that's what's caused this little argument, is they were fighting over a dollar that dropped in the floor. The third group that believes that Tony and Zach may have gotten together, and Zach said, hey, I'm going to touch this doll. And Tony said, not a problem. And the third group that believes that Zach called Tony up, oh, I don't know, a month ago and said, hey, we're going to replay that. Because my museum needs some uh, publicity and you guys need to get back on the map. So we're going to replay that, and you put out a statement saying whatever you want, and I'm going to respond to it, and we're going to drum us up some publicity. Because it is the dog days of July and August, 
and COVID has hit, and there is no new TV out, and people aren't coming to my museum. Your museum hasn't isn't open because of zoning restrictions. You don't have a new Annabelle film that can get made here anytime soon because um, the movie theaters are shut down and the movie sets are shut down. See, there's this third group of us that believe that Tony and Zach may have struck a deal and said, hey, we're going to show this episode and we're going to create this publicity because we both got these two different fan groups that are pretty big and are ready to go wild about something. So let's stir them up. So on that Thursday night, that episode showed... And, you know, of course, Tony had, you know, he couldn't let it go. And Zach couldn't let it go. And so let me read you, first of all, um, Zach's post to Tony Sparrow on Facebook. Because it's been deleted. You can only find people who took screenshots or people who cut and pasted. And it's on my site. It's on Paranormal Review. You can see it there. Um, to Tony. I'm fed up with the nasty things this man is saying about myself, about my crew, and about our show. Just a little FYI. I don't get into social media conflicts often. But I am not a fan of Tony Sparrow. Now, this is Zach saying. He says he's Annabelle's current owner. Actually, Zach, he's not. Um, that would be Judy. But anyway, Zach says, um, he says very nasty things about me and my crew. After our original episode, and he's talking about the one from 2017, for no reason. And he continues to do so after last night's Screaming Room broadcast. If his claims of Annabelle being purely evil and demonic and had the power to cause a guy's fatal motorcycle accident just for talking to her outside of her protective case, then why would he even take her out of her protective sealed case that Ed and Lorraine Warren put a sign on that says warning positively do not open and then cram her into a small plastic briefcase and use oven mitts to carry her around my museum putting her in a high chair and let us investigate oh wait for the large amount of money he was quick to collect after storming off the set. Tony questions and slams our knowledge of the paranormal, but he thinks this doll's demon will behave because he's wearing oven mitts to hold her, and we are safe only if we don't touch her, but can be inches away from her, investigating her. I was clearly being affected by something during our investigation with Annabelle, and we documented incredible evidence with Tony watching live. But Tony never cared about any of that or understood that I was being affected. 
before Tony took Annabelle out of his briefcase, I wasn't feeling well, so I asked Tony if this could be caused by Annabelle. He told me I was being affected by Annabelle. That's a warning. Annabelle doesn't want us to show her. That's a forerunner. Then, I, when I did subconsciously touch her foot, I explained to Tony I didn't recall doing that, which I didn't. I even apologized. Remember, he told me Annabelle was affecting me. So why wouldn't he understand that and offer me concern or help in that situation? And as keeper of that doll, he shouldn't have attacked me. He should have been sympathetic to the situation and offered to help cleanse me with his holy water. Now remember, Tony told me I was be affected by the forerunner, Annabelle's power, before the investigation even started. But he did nothing. He didn't use his holy water to help. Nothing. Is all his hate, negative posts, really fueled by me subconsciously touching his doll's foot? Did I damage the doll? No. Does Tony care about my well-being? Hell no. This is just something he could use to get his money, get back home, which he did in a hurry. He just asked for his check. And here's the best part. He took off his rosary and left it in my museum. Well, why would he do that? If Annabelle just had this power to affect me before even taking her out of the briefcase, wouldn't Tony want to stay protected as well to this demon-possessed doll that he was using oven mitts to carry? Maybe he has a deal with the devil I don't know about. Tony wrote, I brought the doll to this museum in good faith. Really, Tony? We didn't pay you thousands for this as you demanded. It's laughable. Sounds like a quick money grab. Get in, get out. You didn't like us even before you arrived. That was obvious how your attitude was on and off the camera. Tony said that the young man who died on the motorcycle challenged Annabelle to do its worst. Here's what Tony quoted. The man as if the worst. If the doll can do anything, it can do it to me right now. Hey, Tony, you agreed to let us do this investigation, not in good faith, as you wrongly stated, but for thousands. Wouldn't you assume our investigation, we would also be telling Annabelle to do something for evidence? Wouldn't that also put us in fatal risk? But was the check you collected more important? Tony also demanded first-class air tickets only for he and Annabelle. I'm sure Annabelle would have been extra demonic if she had to fly coach. He demanded a first-class air ticket for a demon. And Zach writes L-M-A-O. And you disrespect my entire Ghost Adventures crew by saying Ed had more knowledge in his pinky than my whole crew does. You were a hater of me and my crew before you even arrived that day to my museum. 
everyone stated how bad your condescending attitude was the moment you arrived. And it's not all about the money for us, so says the man who owns the money-making doll of Hollywood. This is our life. Now, that's what Zach wrote on on social media. Now, of course, Mr. Baggins uh, knew that this would cause a stir with his fans, and it sure did. But, you know, let's kind of break it down. Does Tony not like Zach and the Ghost of Interest crew? Um, offhand, I don't know this for a fact. I've never met Tony Sparrow. But offhand, I would probably say yes. Um, I don't believe that Lorraine likes how Zach and the Ghost of Interest crew investigate. I don't think that Lorraine likes their provoking. I don't think that she enjoyed things. Do I think that Tony also doesn't like them? Yes, I I do. Um, Zach has offered numerous times to buy uh, many items from the Warrens Museum and has been turned down flat. Uh, and I think that Tony was a part of that. He did not want to give that up to Zach. I also think that Tony sees that his, um, I guess it would be his cousin-in-law, um, John Zaphis, uh, and his kids get different TV show appearances. Uh, they get to do lectures and, and different things, and that John is known as a paranormal expert, if you can have an expert in this field. I think that Tony would, would love to have a TV show. I think that, is he jealous of Zach? Yeah, probably. But, you know, I think offered thousands of dollars, and I think it was probably more than thousands. I think it was probably tens of thousands um, of dollars. I think Tony was more than willing to go on out there. And I think that, you know, Tony probably didn't want to have to stoop to that level, but he did, and that's fine. But Zach, let's think about it, dude. You have Jeff Belanger and and uh, Dave Schrader do research for you. You know all about this stuff. Come on, Zach. You knew that supposedly... A guy had threatened Annabelle outside of her case and had a horrible motorcycle accident. Yet you let him take the doll out of the case. Yet you made the almost same exact thing of statement that the motorcycle guy did. Come on, Zach. You've got to take a little bit of um, blame in this situation. You know, he isn't able to carry Annabelle in her protective glass case on board an airplane. I think everybody knew that. 
And I don't think that checking Annabelle would have done anything for her reputation. However, setting first class with Annabelle does a lot for her reputation. For both the reputation of Tony and the reputation of you. Now, um, Tony using oven mitts. My goodness, you, how many times did you mention this, Zach? Yet you forget all of the things that Tony did beforehand. All the prayers, the talking, the cleansing of holy water, and blah, 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 blah. But you wanted to zero in on those oven mitts, didn't you? You wanted to turn your fans against Tony by using the word oven mitts. How can oven mitts protect him? Well, let me tell you, Zach. I'm going to make a guess because I've already admitted I haven't read the books. I haven't seen the movies. haven't read all the case files or anything. But I'm willing to make you a bet that... The first time that Ed Warren messed with this doll, he said prayers, he used holy water, he did all of that, and he used oven mitts. Because guess what? When he ran into Annabelle, they didn't have radioactive gloves for sale. Um, Zach, Ed Warren didn't use you know, um, any contraptions that we have now. He used what he had. And I'm willing to guess it was probably oven mitts. So keeping with that, I would be willing to say that that is why Tony continues that himself. And I'm also willing to bet that you probably already knew that. Um, you, now, I know that you used um, a lot of bad spelling in your, your, uh, post here, calling it a forerunner. I think you mean foreshadowing. But, um, yes, it was probably a foreshadowing that you felt bad before he even opened the case. Considering that a lot of times before you walk into a room to investigate, you get a foreshadowing of, oh, I'm feeling cold. Oh, I, I feel sick. Oh, and then when you walk in the room, you magically get possessed. So I'm not real sure that Tony did any foreshadowing as much as you did. Now... Also, you talk about, shouldn't Tony have cleansed me with his holy water, laying it all on Tony? Zach, if you're listening to me, or any Zach super fans out there, correct me, please, if I'm wrong. Again, you can write me at paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter or Facebook. Um, wasn't this filmed at the Zach Bagans Haunted Museum? Zach, 
in your own gift shop, don't you sell holy water? Are you saying no one on your crew that was running the cameras or watching or even Aaron couldn't have ran upstairs and got you some holy water that you sell in your museum? That you want to fault Tony for not using holy water on you when you yourself have them. Don't you also sell cleansing items in your haunted museum? Don't you have sage that you sell to people who come to your museum? So, you couldn't have used that? Zach, are are you saying that you, who have been in this business, you guys went to New York and celebrated not too long ago, your 10th anniversary. You've been in this business 12 years almost. Are you saying you don't know how to cleanse someone? Are you saying no one in your crew knows how to cleanse someone? Jay doesn't know how to cleanse someone. Aaron doesn't know how to cleanse someone. And you're saying that you were at your museum and you sell the actual stuff and none of them went upstairs, got the items and came back downstairs and cleansed you. That you were relying on Tony to do that. Is, is, is that what you're saying? Then you're making a big deal of Tony taking off his rosary. Oh my goodness. Because Tony doesn't have any other rosaries? Because Tony might have taken that rosary off and left it with you because you might have needed it because you got touched by Annabelle? Or is that what you're saying? That, that Tony left his rosary and he left unprotected with his oven mitts to fly back on the plane? You really believe he didn't have any other rosaries to so-called protect him? Then you say, you know, of course, that Tony should have known that we were going to provoke Annabelle. Well, yeah, if he'd watched your show, he should. Um, the thing is, he probably did. Maybe he was shocked that nothing happened to you. Then again, if the third group that I've talked about already is right, maybe he knew nothing was going to happen to you. And so all the provoking you did, he did not care about. So you want to talk about it's all about the money for him because he's got a money-making Hollywood doll. What about you putting it back on the air? If you were so upset 
with Tony. Why re-air this? And, you know, I know the Zach Beggins fans are saying, well, how come you're not reading what Tony wrote? Okay, I will. Tony wrote on Facebook, two Ghost Adventures. I want to give you my take on Ghost Adventures episode that aired last night with a look back at the Annabelle episode. Remember one thing, Zach and his crew are doing the show Ghost Adventures for money. They need to seek out high ratings to continue to keep the show on the air. They may have started out years ago with good intentions, but now, sadly, they are just performers acting out their parts. I brought the doll to his museum in good faith and was very specific that the doll would never be touched by anyone other than yours truly and that the doll would never leave my sight. That's why I demanded a first-class plane ticket for Annabelle, who sat next to me in her case on the flight. The one thing Zach left out of his little diatribe is how the young man on the motorcycle didn't ever touch the doll. So why is Tony concerned that I'm so close? Well, I was concerned that you were getting too close. Second, the man on the motorcycle challenged Annabelle to do its worst. He said if that doll can do anything, do it to me right now. That was a challenge to the demonic. And the evil within that doll doesn't have to listen to a human. It can do its worst at any time. An hour, a week, a year later. And it did. Suck has no idea what he's doing, not in the paranormal sense anyway. My mistake was believing the producers when they promised that they would show ultimate respect for the doll's evil nature and it would be professional in every way. It was a mistake to bring the doll and I will own that. That's why when the following year they asked me to bring the doll to Zach's museum yet again, I declined. I will never bring the doll to another TV show. The producers and the cast of these shows really do not know the dangers associated with Annabelle. I do. Our team at NE, excuse me, let me start over. Our team at NESPR are real professionals. We use the ultimate knowledge and power to fight evil. And that knowledge and power comes from God, our almighty creator, and from the teachings and mentoring of the most knowledgeable humans on earth with respect to the supernatural and the preternal natural, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Ed had more knowledge of the paranormal in his pinky finger than Zach and his crew, his entire crew has. I'm not angry with Zach. I am concerned for him. By challenging and treating the paranormal realm as a game, as a way to make ratings, it is a dangerous thing indeed. Kind of like Russian roulette. Why take that chance? Well, let me semi-break that down. Guys, Tony knew this 
was about ratings. There's not a doubt in my mind. He says that. Tony says he shouldn't have taken the doll out there. Um, Tony, you wouldn't have made some money. He says that Zach doesn't know as much as Ed and Lorraine. Well, number one, if I'm related to someone, guess what? That's probably what I'm going to say, too. Number two, if I have their estate with my wife and I am continuing to um, sell their cases and, and their knowledge in lectures and movies and scripts and books and whatever, I'm also going to say that. I don't want anyone to say that anyone's better than that. And that's kind of what this has turned into. Is a paranormal catfight. Of who has more knowledge. Ed, Warren, or Zach Diggins. Well guess what? Ed's not here so Tony has to fight his fight. So like I said... It's Ed versus Zach, round three. And all of you fans are falling for it. While the third group of us sat on the sidelines, shaking our heads, thinking, what does this have to do with the paranormal? How is this progressing the field? And not only how is this progressing the field, but how is this drawing anyone else into the field? Seeing you two fight, seeing your two groups of fans fight, is it making anyone come into this field? Is it making anyone say, yes, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be a part of. This is what I want to make my life's journey about. Is there any research being done? No. Is there any way you're taking this episode and writing it up as a case study? No. Is there any way, shape, or form this is good for anyone? Yes. It's good for Zach and Ghost Adventures because they got ratings. It's good for Tony Sparrow because people are going to want to find out is this true or not. And it's going to sell books. It's going to have people going and watching movies. It's going to have people going to the dinners he throws with Annabelle. It's going to have people when he opens up the museum going to see Annabelle. It's going to have people going to Zach Bagan's haunted museum. It does good for them. But does this do any, and I do mean any, good for the field of paranormal, turning it into a science. No. Not at all. This is garbage. And I am one of them. But all of you out there that are making a big deal out of this, that are making the comments and keeping this going, all you're doing is detriment. So, 
I may mention it when I review the Screaming Room episode of Annabelle when I get around to it. But hopefully we will not continue to talk about this. Hopefully this part is is just done. We're we're gonna call this one good after this this podcast. Unless I guess somebody writes me and makes a good point and wants to talk about it or something like that. I have seen most of the posts, or let me rephrase that. I, I have seen a lot of posts the last couple of days on the internet um, about this particular subject. I'm not sure that any of you can write me or hit me up on Twitter or Facebook and tell me something I haven't already seen and get me going on this again because I think this this needs to be over. Not only between Tony and Zach, but it just it, it needs to be over in the whole paranormal community. And like I said, um it probably includes this podcast. I I I think we don't need to discuss this anymore. So, hopefully, you will be getting a Paranormal Review podcast episode, I would say, in the next 24 to 36 hours, about a paranormal show. And it's not going to be Ghost Adventures. Uh, Right now, I am looking at possibly finishing up It Feels Evil, and uh, because there are only three episodes with Tim, and we need to find out what has happened to Tim. Or I'm going to do one of my favorites uh, to make me happy. And right now, my favorites are probably um, Destination Fear. Um, I'm really enjoying the first season of that as we've been reviewing it. Or um, probably The Holzer Files is another one of my favorites. I'm also enjoying the first season of it. Now... Can I be persuaded to slip some Ghost Hunters or Ghost Nation in there? Yeah, maybe. I don't know what we'll watch. But I'm going to be sitting down and watching something tonight. And hopefully, like I said, within the next 24 to 36 hours, you will get a paranormal review episode about an actual episode. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the actual paranormal field and, and what's going on with that particular episode. So I wish all of you guys the best. I hope you have a wonderful day. And uh, if this is the first time you've heard this podcast, I hope you subscribe. We've got a lot of shows in the back catalog that you may be interested in and hopefully a lot of good shows here to come. If you guys have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, please write me at paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com. And I look forward to talking to you guys soon.